This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. All right, Drive the Lane Podcast here after a busy, busy, busy weekend. We got a big episode here. You know, we're going to talk a little UCLA, Ohio State basketball. Of course, as you know, Ohio State's heading to the playoffs. We're going to recap that stressful Northwestern game and talk briefly about the playoff. And then we have a little bonus interview at the end with Mizzou head coach Conzo Martin. You know, I'm very excited about that. You know, we'll get right to it, though. Joe, an ugly game ended up being a nice win. Thoughts on the UCLA-Ohio State game? First, first, you're not planning it. What do you got? Uh, Ohio State-UCLA was not an ugly game. Um, the Northwestern-Ohio State game was an ugly game. Uh, it, I think that was the best game Ohio State played all year, basketball-wise. I think with being without EJ for the majority of the game um, because of foul trouble, even though he was playing – that's my favorite thing about Holman is that he, play, he trusts the guys to play with foul trouble. But um, obviously you're not able to play the same way when you have four fouls with 15 minutes left in the game than if it was normal. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if, it's funny because, like, I would rather watch Ohio State-UCLA that basketball game a hundred times than sit through the terror that was Ohio State-Northwestern. That was – talk about not being – it was the it was for the championship, so obviously you're stressed out. Ohio State's got to win to get in the playoff. And it wasn't good football. Like, it wasn't fun to watch, like, at all. So Yeah, I think I um, miss, misspoke with sloppy. I meant, like, gritty. There was a lot of, like – it was a battle. Yeah, I – See, I don't agree. I don't agree. I mean, obviously, every game that Ohio State play, every game that Mick Cronin coaches and Holtman coaches are gritty games when they get on the same floor. There's going to be an element of grit, but like a gritty game is like when Rutgers plays Ohio State and the final score is 45 to 49. Hey. Like that's gritty. Like this was, there were some awesome offense. Like UCLA's got some awesome guys. Like there weren't like the big box. He's banging down low. I mean, of course, like Ohio State basketball, same with Mick Cronin. Like I said, like guys are going to be diving on the floor for loose balls. Like it was awesome. Like I'm not poo-pooing your point that it was gritty and stuff. I think it was – I think Ohio State basketball in general over the past few years, like there has been times where there are ugly, ugly games, and this was not one of them, right? Like I think of – This was much better than the Purdue game. Yeah, exactly. Like that game was ugly. The, we played at Northwestern my senior year, the last game of the Big Ten regular season without Caleb, and we didn't make a field. We made three field goals in the first half. Like that's an ugly game. So, uh, but no, quickly, just I mean, like all, best win for Ohio State this year by far. UCLA is gonna maybe win the Pac-12, definitely make the tournament. Like they're a great team. So huge win. Mick Cronin also cannot beat Ohio State, which is very fun and hilarious. I think he's like zero five now. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool to see Seth Towns get back on the floor. Um, obviously, we've talked about it. Like, it's gonna, there's going to be an element of easing him in, which is very fun. Um, you know, obviously, just to, get a, just to get a piece of him back is very fun. And then, obviously, once he gets back to full strength and full Seth Towns, like, he's a huge, uh, a huge piece to the squad, obviously. So, um, you know, that's great. But, but, yeah, I mean, overall, like, Ohio State hoops-wise – Obviously, it was in the shadow of Ohio State making the playoff and Ohio State um, winning the Big Ten Championship. But it's awesome to – to any game you can win is awesome against a great non-conference opponent, and we'll just keep the momentum rolling. Hard game against Rutgers, who honestly is probably one of the best teams in the country playing like it. Right now, they beat Illinois today. So, uh, if we can win that game, like, 
it's like a must win if we want to be competing in the Big Ten. It's a must win. So that's, that's all State. I got. I know no one cares about hoops right now, but it's just – I mean, think about it. We're one football game possibly away from Ohio State full-on basketball season. So I'm excited well, about that. I was going to say, Ohio State basketball, I, I think – if you told me that they were going to be five and one with the only loss being, you know, Purdue without EJ Liddell, everyone's, everyone's taking that. I mean, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly where you'd think they would be at this point, And it's exactly where you would want them to be at this point. I don't think they're exceeding expectations and they're definitely not below expectations. You know, that is set to be seen with what happens in the next few games in big 10 play. Like you were saying, it was a little disappointing not to play North Carolina because personally, I think they're a better team than UCLA. Um, but there's always next year. Yeah, and it sucks because we recorded a full episode with Tate Frazier, but yeah. <laughs> Everything we do, we recorded with Tate, and then literally, like, right after that, North Carolina games get canceled. We recorded with Conzo Martin right after that, you know, Ohio's or Mizzou's game gets canceled. So it was a like weird. The opposite of the drive the lane bump. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But it ended up working out for North Carolina and for Ohio State. So I guess technically it was a little bit of a drive the lane bump for Tate. I would, I would say it is the drive the lane bump for Tate. You're welcome, Tate. Like, no chance North Carolina comes back and wins that game without coming on the podcast. So, I think that's uh, that about covers it because no one cares about um, Ohio State basketball yet, which I respect. I respect that. I don't agree, but I respect. Um, I guess we should talk a little bit about the Ohio State Big Ten championship game before briefly discussing the whole idea of the college football playoff, which sucks. But um, I mean. To you, in your opinion, was the game ever in doubt? I 100% thought the game was in doubt at halftime. I thought that Fields was looking absolutely terrible. I thought that they weren't going to be able to stop them. I thought that that if Northwestern came out and went up 17-6 after half, that it was going to be tough to win that game. I... I also didn't expect Trey Sermon to have 975 <laughs> yards, which was which was awesome. But um, I, I was I was nervous really until the clock hit zero because it was just such a frustrating and, and, and nerve wracking game. What about you? I I it's so funny. We I have the receipts from all receipts from all of this with my college friends group chat. I never in doubt, in my opinion, which is w- weird for me. Like, I'm an anxious, nervous person. My mom, like, bless her heart, I'm sure she's listening. Like, she was texting me saying, oh, my fucking God, what the fuck is going on? You know, that whole deal. She thought it was in doubt. I kept texting my friends, shout out Will Boshis, Northwest, who went to Northwestern, one of my good friends, and my Ohio State friends, saying basically this. We couldn't be any worse. Northwestern is doing everything perfect, yet – we are winning like you know like like it's just we're not winning but like we're not losing we're down four like well at that point at that point I was like I I I get what you're saying I was kind of saying like that's the worst we've ever played and we're only down four and a half like in reality like that was that was kind of a lot like that was no four points in that game was a lot right you get what I'm saying like you get what I'm saying. At the end of the day, like I mean, Greeny nailed it. Greeny said they were going to have to cause turnover. It was they were going to if they wanted any chance, they were going to have to cause turnovers. Um, and as we're recording this, Taysom Hill rushes in a uh, a rushing touchdown. Um, that, that doesn't mean anything, but Greeny, you know, 
Greeny nailed it. He said if they wanted any chance to win, they were going to have to keep the game low scoring, make Justin Fields turn the ball over. And Greeny, just like us, just like probably everyone in the country except, you know, his family, no one expected Trey Sermon to have 330 rushing yards <laughs> and, and two okay. touchdowns. Hold on. Hold on. There is different levels of, of that from family that I think we should touch on because my, my when I score – my parents were like, oh, he had that in him. Like, when I become captain, my parents were like, oh, yeah, he had that in him, you know. But nobody thinks that their kid is rushing for 350 yards in the yeah. Big Ten championship game when you rush for 350 yards the whole year. That's all I'll say. Love Trey Sermon, though. Dude's a superhero now. Literally if, a living legend forever now. If anyone, if anyone tells you that they were like – if anyone says shit like this, if anyone says – Dude, he was a stud at Oklahoma. You knew he had this in him. Like, you're lying. Because it's – Wait, wait, wait. Scott Lane, at, right when he transferred, he goes, that is the key. He is the missing piece. Like, Okay, but, the, but even that, though, even that, though, isn't he, like – no, no text about it during the season, but when he has his great game, he texts me and says, see, see, I told you so. Yeah. So maybe he's the only person on the planet that thought that. So we're, we're going to talk uh, – we're going to ignore the bad performance from Justin Fields because we think it's just a little blip on his – He's hurt. His, he hurt his thumb. He hurt his thumb. thumb. He's fixing um, his career today. Did you hear that? They said, yeah. oh, hold on. The college football playoff is such a freaking joke. But they cut to Ohio State to, for Gene Wojciechowski to go, there's an update coming for, out of Columbus and out of the Big Ten. Like, here's – stay tuned for the breaking news. And they cut to Gene Wojciechowski, and he goes – Justin Fields is here. He is uh, fixing a tire in the parking lot, and uh, the Big Ten hasn't announced what the announcement will be yet. And we're just, and I'm just like, this is. I hate ESPN, bro. Like, oh my god. Oh. So the playoff, the playoff is a mess. But I think they got the top four mostly right. I think a little more people would say Notre Dame over A and M. I personally would have liked to see Cincinnati in there. We're gonna. You know, talk a little bit about the playoff right now, but we got a pretty cool guest coming next week that's going to break down and preview the whole playoff with us. Uh, you know, we don't want to take up too much of your Christmas week listening to this episode. But Happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah too. But rematch, rematch, Ohio State-Clemson. When I see that right away, I am – I'm worried. <laughs> I mean yeah. – we're, we're very realist on this podcast. If I had to bet my house right now where I'm sitting, if I had to bet my life savings, I'm betting it on Clemson. What, what has Ohio State given you to, that makes you believe that they're going to win? Now, maybe this is all reverse psychology and a jinx, you know, that we're trying to do here. But it might, you know, some people bet with their hearts. Some people bet with their brain. I'm going to talk from the brain right now. Clemson is going to – they might kill us. I don't want to don't want to be that guy. I'll be rooting my heart. My, I will be rooting so hard for Ohio State. But my – I mean, my brain I'm – not, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> I think it's interesting because, you know – if all the guys play in the Ohio State game, that game's probably a lot closer. So I, I'm interested to see what the rosters on both sides of the of the playoff are going to yeah, be come so come That's next so Saturday. If we have no, if the guys on the defense are still out, we have no Olave. Like chalk it up, right? I mean, like right. I think Ohio State potentially can score with Clemson but not with the defense that they have. And we'll get into that. Our defense looked pretty darn good. I mean, it was a Northwestern, but, mm. like, it's okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, whatever. We should stop. We, don't, we should save it. We should save it. The only thing – I saw the funniest freaking gif of 
um, Dwight Schrute, obviously, from The Office. And the first thing I thought of, um, you know, obviously, this is the revenge game. And I saw this Dwight meme, and it's just a gif of him going, I'm just a simple man who likes revenge. And uh-huh. that's all I can think about now is that should be plastered in every single locker for the Ohio State team. Like, that's awesome. I can't – like, this would be the sweetest win in my – besides the championship in my Ohio State fandom. So Yeah, I mean, it's see. a revenge It's a revenge game, but also, like we said, we don't want them to, you know, get overhyped. And, and, and obviously that comes after a win. But I, I think that this is the game they've been waiting for. We asked Drew Christman about it. We should, we should find that clip. We'll find, I'll find that clip and throw it out there because he was like, he was like, we want to beat Clemson. Yeah. Okay. So okay. that's a good, uh, good little homework assignment for you. Yeah. This is a quick little episode. We're going to get you over to Conzo Martin, but we're going to do our little goodbye right now. Happy holidays. We'll be back with a college football playoff preview next week. Joe, anything else? Our fantasy teams. <laughs> let's, let's not jinx it, but at this moment, we have like five. Uh, we won't jinx it at all. We're playing well, and and it's fun. So enjoy Conzo Martin. We had a blast with him. Awesome guy. We'll have him on when Mizzou wins the national championship. This has been the Mizzou Minute. Buckle up, drive the lane. Go Buckeyes and go Tigers and go drive the lane pod, which is my fantasy team, and go Zolden, whatever your fantasy team name is. But go Buckeyes. Just go Buckeyes, man. Great day to be a Buckeye. Can't believe this is my life, LeBron James. All right, join us now on Drive the Lane, head coach of the undefeated and 16th-ranked Missouri Tigers, Coach Conzo Martin. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. Of course, and, you know, we're happy to have you on. Let's get right to it. This Tigers team, something is clicking. Tell us, what is going right this year? Well, I think first and foremost, you, you have a healthy team. I think that's one of the biggest keys, and and, and, and I, I struggle with saying what I'm about to say because it sounds like you're making excuses or you're complaining, but, you know, the, the previous three years, we had 134 missed games by key players when you're talking Michael Porter, Junior, Jontae Porter, Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, amongst other players. That's a lot of games missed from guys that we count on, but it's part of it. You deal with it. You don't make excuses for it. But I just think other than that, you know, guys been around each other for a while. They, they understand what it takes to win, to compete, uh, and they've had their share of uh, pains and going through those valleys and ups and downs and highs and lows, and, and here we are. You know, after five games, I think we're playing good basketball, but of course there's room to grow. Absolutely, and and uh, we know that, that as a coach, it's your part of your job to say that you guys – always have room to grow. Um, that's, that's where my first question comes. What has kind of been the hardest part? You know, on the surface, you guys are undefeated and ranked, ranked in the country, but what do you see as the biggest improvement or the toughest challenge moving forward? I just think the improvement, one, one of being together, because the, the biggest concern, I think, for most people, I know for us, we, we didn't bring our guys back in June and July because of COVID. I just didn't feel comfortable with that. So that's two months that, or eight weeks that you normally get a lot of stuff done. So, so what we found as the staff, things that we normally do in June and July, you, you, you're doing them right now, you're implementing implementing them into your practice now, but you don't want to overdo it in practice because we try to, we try to be at two hours maximum. That's, that's, that's film watching, stretching, 
and practice. We don't want to go over two hours because we want. We always talk about having fresh legs and fresh minds. But I think for us, again, we, we, we're playing more of an, an aggressive style offense. We're getting up and down more. I've always been more of a half-court guy. I'm spending most of my time on defense. But now we're getting, getting out more offensively, and it's worked well for us. But with that being said, there's some turnovers. They're not necessarily bad turnovers, but playing faster. Sometimes you, you have to get used to that. And we've always been the same team defense. We play hard, we compete. But just getting up and down more offensively, that part has been good. And then you start to see other things, how teams defend you. And then you just make progress from there. But other than that, I think turnovers here and there, and then we got to be consistent at the three-point line. I think we might take a couple too many uh, tough one or two dribble pull-up threes as opposed to catch-and-shoot threes. But we'll get that corrected. So one of the things that we saw in the Illinois game, you know, JT got into foul trouble a little early. That's Jeremiah Tillman for everyone. And you actually, you went, you went with Wilmore for a little, and then you went with a small lineup, which was interesting against a guy like Kofi, you know, going into the game, was that a game plan that you were going to try to go small? Is that something that uh, we could see moving forward? Oh, you'll see it moving forward. And, and again, we, we, we don't have a script to say every three games we'll do all of this. That we just play according to situations. But we practice those things. We'll practice five perimeter guys. We'll practice with two traditional bigs because you never know what games will present. And at least you're somewhat familiar with that situation. But we, we feel good. We, we just felt like the advantage. Now, we knew we'd play Jordan Wilmore in that game. Now, to his defense, he hadn't played a lot before that. And that was a tough matchup in the first game in a, in a high-level game. So we felt like our guards could keep us at bay because they would have to defend us on the other end. Now, if you're trading basket because it is tough to guard Kofi, he would a traditional big guy. If we had a perimeter guy on it, we, we fight, we battle, but on the other end, we have to make those guys pay. And, and Coach, you mentioned that you're, you're clearly a, a defensive-minded uh, coach, and I have a pretty simple question for you. Uh, does good offense always beat good defense? I wouldn't necessarily say that because that's why you have defensive player of the years. I mean, because you have you have guys that are elite defenders. I, I took a tremendous amount of pride myself in playing defense in college, and I, and I thought I did a relatively good job. Uh, I mean, y y when, when you say good offense, you, you're talking about elite-level guys. Kevin Durant, so like, for example, when I was in college, Glenn Robinson was my teammate, the big dog. That's 30 points a night, I mean, and he averaged that, so I, I don't know what good defense that was because he scored 30 a night. So you, you do have elite-level offensive guys. I mean, that's gifted guys. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you're going on elite-level guys. But I think if you're an elite defender on average guys, then you can stand out. But sometimes when you have an elite-level offensive guy, you have to give credit where it's due. Coach, I want to talk about the players on the team a little bit. Start off with, uh, with Wilmore, who we've mentioned. Is he the biggest human that you've ever stood next to? <laughs> I, th I think right now that's uh, – I think that's safe to say right now. I, I had a big teammate in college. He was big, uh, Matt Tendam. He's a, I think he was from Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken. He was a big guy. But I think Jordan's the biggest one I've been around. But, but you know, the thing about Jordan, he doesn't look as big because he – his body, he, 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 you know, sometimes those big guys, they have a little, little I want to be respectful, a little around the area. In certain areas, they look so big. But he's done a good job with you know, taking care of his body. So, you know, so, but he is the biggest I've been around, yes. I think you got to be careful. Coach, uh, Coach Drinkwitz might give you a call and say they need him on the line next year. Oh, man, it's all family. They can have him if he want to get out there. So, another player I want to talk about, Joey and I kind of joke about this on, on the show all the time because, you know, we do a lot of Ohio State stuff. Aaron Kraft seemed like a guy that was on Ohio State for five years. Jay Sean Tate, every time he was playing against you, people were saying, God, how long has this guy been here? For you guys, it feels like Mitchell Smith has been on the team for 15 <laughs> years. Uh, what, talk about his maturity a little bit and how many years does he have left? 
well, hopefully he has a couple more years left. But no, he's a he's a very coachable guy. He's really grown, you know, from a young man into a man, and we, and we use that term all the time. He, he and he uh, he epitomizes that, just from the standpoint of his maturity, uh, his growth, understanding life off the court, uh, you know, making sacrifices, taking care of his body, all those things, man, and just in his ability to listen and, and apply information. He's grown so much. His work has, has, has grown. Being a leader, he's grown. Uh, knowing the system, you know, and, 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 and you know, people use the term, he's a dog on the floor. He, he's starting to get that term, and, and respectfully, that he competes at a high level. And, he, and he's a guy, I, I've said it before, like like that old American Express commercial, don't leave home without it. And I, I think that's the credit card commercial. That, that's how I feel about Mr. Smith. That's what he brings to the table in our program. Another Smith that we want to talk about is uh, Mark Smith, who I was fortunate enough to to host um, when I was back at Ohio State on his official visit. And I'm also an Illinois guy, so I knew all about him in his high school career. Talk a little bit about the jumps that he's made this year. Well, the, the thing with him, you know, the previous two years he had major injuries, so he was out, so he didn't play a lot. Like like the first year he came over to us, he, I think he was second in the country at three-point field goal percentage before he went down. And then last year he had ups and downs due to injuries. And now you've seen a healthy Mark Smith, a guy that can score the ball, but also really really improved his ability on the straight-line drives, a guy that plays extremely hard, a physical, tough presence. He's also, because he's always been an offensive-minded guy, now he, in my opinion, has become one of the better defenders. He enjoys playing defense. Because one thing if coach have to make you play defense, but I think he enjoys playing defense. And, and just, again, just you just send a healthy Mark Smith, and, and a healthy Mark Smith makes us a much better team. It's funny because, you know, this Mizzou team has three Smiths and two Drews. Did you plan that? <laughs> I didn't, but hopefully it throws some things off. <laughs> so... Uh, last last kind of serious question, then we're going to hit you with some questions that are really going to make you think. So mm-hmm. in a year like this where, you know, you can't really get guys on campus, recruiting's weird, how much does that 5-0 uh, and o start and that little number next to you guys on national TV help with recruiting? I think it helps. But, but to our staff's credit, I think we've done a tremendous job. Mainly our assistant coaches, our recruiting coordinator, have done a tremendous job of just building relationships and working the phone, Zoom calls, all those things, text message, you name it. So they've done a great job with that. But I, I think it's helpful. But I, but I, but I go back to the thing, too, when you, when, you, when you rank teams prematurely, in my opinion. Yeah, you have talented teams. But when you rank teams and you haven't had a chance to, to see them play, it's a disadvantage because you have a top 25. I think it helps in recruiting starting out. Here we're a top 25 program. We don't know that. And I've always been a guy that's – I've never been really vocal about it, but – saying don't start ranking teams after Christmas. So now you have a gauge of who's what. Because I think it's an unfair advantage for certain teams to be ranked high when they haven't proven anything on the wood. I don't care what you have returning. There's so many different dynamics that goes on. We need to be cautious of that, of that moving forward. Absolutely. Right, now, now getting into the fun stuff. Um, my first question for you. Some people love the alley-oop. Uh, me, Personally, I love when a defender goes under the screen and a guy hits a three. What is your favorite play in basketball? If, I, I don't know if necessarily a favorite, but I think the one, that, for me, that shows a high level of confidence, toughness, I think, you know, swagger. If a guy can pull up off a three, when it's a three-on-one break and there's three officer guys and one defender, and you got a guy that can pull up from a three and make that shot consistently, that's impressive to me. What about what about if a guy is one-on-oh on a fast break and pulls up for three? <laughs> That's something that I would do. And I, and I think I, I, I did that once in, in high school, but never in college. 
The only person that might get away with that is my son, because I know my wife would be all over my head if I said some of this stuff. But man, that's, that that would be tough, man. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Pinson hit us with a one on zero pull up three that, fast that, break. That, that, I, I can see that happen. I, I agree with that. That's where you, that's where you pull him out of the game, coach. You say if you ever do that again, I'm gonna kill you. But nice shot. <laughs> you know, it just man, when you show a level of toughness and swagger, now yeah, you got to take the layup. Now, so I don't, if any young kids listen to this, you got to take that layup. But now, again, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind watching if I was the other team, and he missed it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Coach, I want to hit you with a little Mizzou word association to finish things off. So basically, I'm going to say a word you say, or a little phrase. You say the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear it. You ready? Yes. All right, the columns. Oh, history. That's, that's history. All right, Shakespeare's Pizza. Delicious. <laughs> All right, KU. I'm throwing up. <laughs> that, was, that was a perfect answer I don't even, I got a couple more but that, that was too good of an answer to ask uh, Joey I think we can wrap this up how we wrap up a lot of our episodes this has been coach, coach has earned it yeah coach you, you have earned it and what we do on Drive the Lane is with our guests we, let, we open the floor to them to end the interview and let you answer us or ask us any questions that have been uh, you know, that you've been dying to ask us. So feel free to, to ask what. <laughs> okay. I, I'll ask you guys a question. What are you doing in the community to help and serve the youth? Oh. Andrew, you want to go first? <laughs> we are not doing as much as we could, but we are creating audio and visual content for young kids to view via our podcast. And you just said to all the young kids out there, don't take a one on know <laughs> fast break. So now with your help, we're doing even more of that. I respect that. I like that. Coach, our, my favorite thing to do at Ohio State was we, uh, we had um, uh, kids come in for, for practice and everything, as I'm sure you guys do um, also. And we do the whole, uh, you know, we take pictures, we play one-on-one -on -one with them, and we go to an amusement park with them and spend the whole day with them. Um, that was my favorite thing that we did at Ohio State. It was year in and year out. And it was supposed to be, you know, a couple months ago, obviously, but COVID happened. So, um, you know, we had to miss out on that. Even the former players get involved in stuff. So another thing that COVID's kind of taken away from us is that, um, you know, that special time that I know all the players, former and current, look forward to with our team and stuff. So um, I like that. Yeah, that's that's one thing that's pretty special about Ohio State that I'm sure Mizzou is is also doing a great job in. No, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that, Coach. I got uh, four years of eligibility left, so if you throw me a walk on something, I'll I'll do all the activities that you guys do with you guys. Come on, join the club. <laughs> all right, Coach. We appreciate it. Thanks for giving us the time. Wishing you the best the rest of the year. Good luck tomorrow, and uh, maybe talk soon. Thank you, guys, for having me. <laughs>